This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Whoa! Oh, you could hear the parts falling on the floor. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Coco. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice San Diego. I have crawled out of my cave of hibernation and I'm joined, as always, by the managing editor, Voice of San Diego, Andrea Lopez Villafania. What's up, Lopez? Hey, Lewis. Good to have you back. Thank you. Great to be back. And Jacob McQuinney, our reporter. Hello, Jacob. Hey there, Scott. You're looking mighty fetching coming into the new year with this Stanley Cup accessory. <laughs> He's giving like French girl vibes. <laughs> he is. Well, I said he has like a bit of like a cheeky sailor sort yeah. of shirt. I think I've referred to it as that before. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I do have a Stanley Cup now. Coming up on the show this week, remember when the giant whale washed up on Mission Beach? Well, it turned into a murder mystery. Our Mackenzie Elmer got to the bottom of. We will explain and the boom years of school funding are over. Through the pandemic, schools received a lot of extra cash, but that funding will start to dry up soon. And it didn't help student performance make up for all the setbacks during that historic disruption. And finally, the state of the city is coming up. Mayor Todd Glory is going to lay out his view of the city, the state of it, you might say. And let's look back at last year, what he promised then. It's going to be a good show. Stay with us. But first, we want to thank everyone who gave during our year-end campaign. It was a big success thanks to folks like... Hold on. Just one quick note. We mm -hmm. are now at 3,531 members, 3,531. Uh, we have almost 3,700 total donors. Uh, real big high watermark for that. I'm very proud of that number and some of you out there. So let's start with you. Alrighty, This one's from Ken P., I've loved the podcast for years. Your reporting makes me feel connected to the happenings in my local community. Everything you produce is gold. Wow, we should put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to read the next one too? 
<laughs> I think you should read it, Scott. Okay, Corey S. says, Scott Lewis is so damn handsome, and the Chula Vista fast pitch story was awesome. That's my friend Corey out there. Appreciate uh, it. So he's seen you in person. He knows. What I don't know if he actually has. I think he just made that determination through my- Your voice on the podcast? My, uh, my Twitter <laughs> oh, profile. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, I guess your photo's out there. Lee J. says- Excellent reporting on local issues. Email and podcasts makes reports very accessible. I love that. I love hearing that we're accessible. Andrea L. I believe VOSD is doing valuable work for all of SD. As a North County resident, I also appreciate the outlet's North County specific reporting. Ah. You know, I got to make one interjection here. This next name, I, I read it like at home one day <laughs> and not until seeing it right here. Oh, you didn't realize? Did I realize? <laughs> Come on. I realize That's, what they were saying. What? <laughs> wait, <laughs> okay, wait, but that Andrea L, her or their last name is Lopez. Yeah. Is so, it? like, hello. Hi, yeah. Andrea. Uh, but this one is Scott Lopez McQuinney. I just thought you that just was somebody now... with a very unique name. I literally Googled <laughs> Scott Lopez McQuinney. I was like, who is this person? Wait, how cool would that be? That'd be awesome. I feel very dumb uh, you know, saying that out loud, but. But I, I, this is a this is a place of truth, I guess. So it's so. a it's a combination of all of our names. Y- you know, that's what I'm starting to realize. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I enjoy listening to the podcast every week. It keeps me informed about important San Diego issues in a fun and entertaining way. Keep up what you all are doing. I even showed it to my girlfriend. I was like, like this guy's name. Who is this person? <laughs> she was I like, wow, that's that. really interesting. She was very confused too. <laughs> that's really good. Oh God. Um, <laughs> holiday break doesn't you know? take much to get over one on a uh, thanks to all of you and everyone who donated during the campaign that will help us stay on track for the year and keep delivering this podcast and all the journalism San Diego needs All right, there has been some good and bad news in the local media scene. I wanted to highlight first a shout out to my friend Craig Elston and my other friend Annie Heilbrunn. They are now the co-hosts of the Midday Show on 97.3 The Fan, the sports radio station that hosts Padres games. Uh, I'm Annie's been on the show before. Um, Craig invited me. He's part of the soccer's organization. I'm going to play for the soccer's. Well, I'm going to play at the halftime <laughs> of the soccer's game this Sunday night. And uh, you all are welcome to come watch me not kick a ball in the direction that it needs to go in, but maybe kick it. Is this, we'll like, a, is this like a charity yeah. event or what's going on? Yeah, here? every year they, they bring like old and new media up to, but I'm still considered new media. Mm. Um uh, so there's like there's a lot of uh, famous people that go to this. I see. Is it going to be and you I'm, and like a bunch them? of TikTokers? Yeah. No, there's there's like uh, Frankie V from the Morning Show with Gina Latina. That he's we usually each there. Other on Instagram. <laughs> wow. Cool. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> so who's who's old media then? Is it just yeah, all the UT people? <clears throat> I don't know. Actually, I don't. This year they were going to do radio versus TV, and I was like, well, what am I part of? And, and then I realized, like, well, I'm not on TV anymore. <laughs> And this show runs on the radio, so probably that. Uh, but you can come out and see it at the soccer. But anyway, I'm just proud of <laughs> Annie and uh, Craig's new show. I'm glad they got that new show. And Annie's a great voice. She's been on this podcast before. It's great to have a woman on the show like that. Uh, the sports radio is 
I don't know if you noticed, little male heavy. Oh, um, yeah. Now, on the other hand, there was also some bad news recently in local media. Uh, one of your friends lost their job. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I think we might have included this somewhere in one of our morning reports, but for those who don't know, um, this wasn't an official announcement um, on Twitter. The Union Tribune's community opinion editor, Laura Castaneda, uh, announced that the UT would um, stop publishing its UT en Español, which is the Spanish version of the Union Tribune. Um, it is a, a printed newspaper. It publishes uh, once every week on Saturdays, and it's a free edition. Um, the articles are you know, both original reporting from freelancers and staff reporters, but also like translated work from all the English stuff. Uh, so December 30th was going to be the last edition. And that's it. No more UT en Espanol. Really did you, sad. Uh, did they ever have unique articles in there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they had they had uh, staff writers and they also had um, freelancers. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, when I worked there, sometimes my articles would get translated because they were so like Latino and community heavy focus. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they had original reporting that would sometimes be translated to English. So what do you think the logic is of not making an announcement to the community? That just seems so weird. It is so weird. I mean, the announcement was like, Laura tweeting it, but it's yeah. not an official announcement. Like no. no one ever said, you know, we're not doing this anymore. I don't just, know. That just seems Is really that their vibe. Like they're just like we're just not doing this anymore. Thanks. Yeah. The whole new UT ownerships vibe seems to be like we just aren't going to talk. Yeah. About we'll we'll talk about everything you all are doing through our newspaper. We're not going to talk at all about our plans mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. I think for. I actually don't know how long it's been around. I was trying to find information, but it's had like different lives, different names. At one point it was like Oi San Diego. Oh, I remember um, that. Yeah. It's had like a magazine, um, but you know, like had a footprint and for there to be no announcement is just, I don't know, kind of lame. Mm. Yeah, well, lame, I mean, it's guys. good that, you know, a sort of standard of journalism is in transparency or else the total lack of communication from the UT might be a little worrisome. Yeah. <laughs> I hate, I see what you did. So last month, a dead fin whale, a giant whale washed up on Mission Beach in San Diego. It was quite a scene. A big crowd showed up. Everybody had their phones out. The lifeguards towed it back out to see where it'll fall to the bottom of the ocean and become an a ecosystem for the deep, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but... There was a lot of speculation, including from our own reporter, Mackenzie Elmer, about why the fin whale had died. Maybe it heard a lot of loud noises. Maybe humans did something mean to it. Maybe uh, maybe it just you know got a disease of some kind. Turns out it had been tortured by orcas. What an amazing story this was. The bite marks that were all over this fin whale Matched an orca. And then over the next few days, social media was filled with all of these pictures and videos of orcas spotted by whale watchers along the Southern California coast from Santa Barbara down to San Diego. All of these encounters that people had with these playful orcas who were just, it looked like playing with dolphins, but then you realize that they were <laughs> torturing. torturing them and then eating them. Which is also crazy because I didn't know this, but apparently orcas are a, Kind of dolphin? Well, they're a porpoise. They're yeah. a porpoise? Okay. Yeah, like a, yeah, they're like a... You can look, though they're quite large. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think 
the size of the orca has never been as apparent to me as when it was throwing around <laughs> this poor little dolphin in one of the videos that was posted. Dolphins are long too. Po- dolphins big. are very big. Yeah. They're bigger than me. And this guy was just getting tossed. And everybody's like, oh, they're cute. They're playing. No, no, no. They were, they, were, this, they were hunting and eating those little dolphins. And so, yes, there was a murderous band of orcas that have apparently been coming to this area for the last six, seven years into San Diego waters and Southern California waters. And they love to go after the, uh, the, the porpoise. Por- the porpoises. <laughs> well, so there was one line in McKinsey's piece about this, uh, probably our most read story in at least a few years. And she says, quote, another way to identify, this is just bone chilling stuff. Another way to identify whether orcas were the killers. If the victim whale's tongue has been ripped out, not to keep them from ske- squealing, but the organ is rich and delicious and can feed quite a few orcas. If the tongue has been ripped out, then it was an orca that did it. That's some that's I, some macabre stuff. I, I view orcas very differently than I yeah. did before reading this. They're I mean, the ki- I, why? They're the killer whale. How did you did you think they were just like that's what that's what SeaWorld did to us, right? Yes. SeaWorld made us think that these are these were just like these these funny. And the, and the like, ironic like, thing is that even at SeaWorld they were killing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's not a thing I should laugh at, but no. no, it's true. That's what the they we we tried to hide their killer side. Yeah. And they're like, nah, man, we that's gotta what we do, do it. Like, I it's just crazy can't that orcas are like out there doing like aquatic Colombian neckties to to you yeah. know their, like the mom. other other whales in the ocean. Maybe yeah. they're just into tacos de lengua. Mm. That's a good end right there. <laughs> so several weeks ago, we talked about the race for the seat on the San Diego City Council, formerly occupied by Monica Montgomery Step. And how that would have a major impact on the city council going forward. There was this sort of divide that had grown up. The four city council members that are not pleased with city council president Sean Elo Rivera and and the five uh, at that point who supported him and he got the job. But one of them left. So that meant four to four was there. And so now we're wondering who takes that seat and you know, kind of what side do they land on if that divide does really matter, but also there's some pretty big policy issues at stake. So we had talked about uh, Reverend Shane Harris running for that seat, um, Henry Foster III running for that seat. He was the chief of staff for Monica Montgomery Step, and then Chida Rebecca Warren Darby, who was the director of boards and commissions for the mayor, and she was running for that seat as well. Well, uh, Shane Harris stepped away, decided not to run for the seat. I think he immediately endorsed Henry Foster for the seat. I talked to Henry Foster. One of the things that he was clear about was that he was an avid and open supporter of Mayor Todd Gloria and Councilmember Raul Campillo's plan to raise the city's sales tax, the sales tax within the city of San Diego, another full cent. So one percentage point on your purchases would go up and that would be used to support uh, general purposes for the city of San Diego. So if it's just a general tax, remember, city voters can approve a general tax put forward on the city council by the city council 
by only just a 50% plus one vote of the people. But you can't specify where the money is going to go at all, which makes it less attractive to voters. If you say, like, we're going to use the money to build this library and build these roads, you can get more support from voters. And, um, but you have to get a two thirds vote if you do any of that specification. So now they want to go forward with that. And that is my first prediction for the state of the city coming up next week. Mayor Todd Glory will give uh, his annual address known as the state of the city. And my prediction is that he will talk about that, that this has been under the radar for a while. Nobody's been really open to talk about it, but um, I think he's going to talk about his plan to raise the city's sales tax by a cent. Not something that uh, is usually a standing line ovation, raise taxes, but I do think he's going to have to address um, some of the budget deficits that are projected for the city going forward. They, he, he last year lamented the hiring problems that the city of San Diego has had, and, and he blames those on their ability to pay people and the long drought of, of no new pensions for new employees going forward that they finally got rid of. So we'll see if he, if he does talk about that. That's my first prediction. I think, I don't think he can go another time without talking about it because he wants to put it on the ballot this year. So he, mm. he should explain why. I'll be curious to see how he navigates that conversation, right? Of like, so many residents are just feeling like they're paying so much, right? SDG&E, water, everything, like cost of living is going up. At the same time, you know, our city is going to face a deficit. Like how do you kind of, you know, do you tiptoe around that? Do you, you know, acknowledge what everybody's dealing with, but, you know, we really need this money. I don't know. I'm curious to see how he handles that. Mm -hmm. Do you think he'll do it with the smoothness and charisma that he delivered this line last year? With all this talk about sidewalks, I hope you don't think I've lost that loving feeling for road repair. <laughs> and that's a guy who knows how to show. talk to the people. It's, it's his a show. It's his bit, right? For for years he's talked about sexy streets, but uh -huh. now he's going further and 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 really expressing his attraction. <laughs> his loving feeling. His, yeah. his his actual physical attraction yeah. to the streets. <laughs> but um but that does bring up another my biggest memory from last year's speech is that he didn't talk about homelessness, which is, I think, the number one, two, and three main issue at the city right now. Absolutely. And he didn't talk about homelessness in the last speech until, I think it was, I got to say, like 40% into the speech, maybe 35% or something. But, but the big bulk of the beginning of the speech was not about homelessness or public safety. It was about sidewalks it was about his competing attraction between sidewalks and roads yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it was it was about his his own guilt about talking about how much he liked sidewalks <laughs> and his worry that the the roads would be jealous yeah yeah i'll be interested in if he adds a little bit more level of urgency and sort of because that's what my main criticism is like ben like you're not treating the homeless crisis with the same level of urgency and emergency at least in your public approach to it, as the city believes it is. And that, therefore, everybody thinks you don't, even if you're doing nine out of 10 hours in your day on homelessness, it's people do not perceive that you're moving the city as fast to address this yeah. problem as it needs to be done, right? Yeah. 
He said this. This was kind of the main theme of his uh, approach to homelessness, though, was, uh, as I think we described it, a very law and order, mm-hmm. a very sort of, I'm going to come down on these people approach. And here was one of his bits from last year's State of the City. We will make our voices heard because California has to do more on mental health and we will push to get it done. Now, with all that said, as we do that work, we still have to address the here and now. This includes the extreme health and safety issues posed by homeless encampments on our sidewalks. I know that the majority of San Diegans share this concern. It's not okay for children to have to walk in the middle of the street past encampments just to get to their school. And we cannot expect people whose homes and businesses are surrounded by encampments to just put up with their impacts. You know, to be fair, Scott, that is a, a, a very kind of law and order statement, but he's still got some streets and sidewalks in there. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's, it's true. <laughs> I, I think, but that was the, the main tone of the, of the speech, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't, he had dropped at this point all premise that, that it was like a humanitarian crisis as much as it was like now a, a, a crisis for quality of life in San Diego for the people who are housed. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to articulate that he heard them. It mm-hmm. clearly represented like what he'd been hearing for the year and how he was trying to absorb and reflect that uh, about it. And he did turn that into some action. Now, he talked about at that point how he was going to pass the you can't camp on the streets uh, during the day thing, mm-hmm. which didn't seem to do anything, right? Like, yeah. still a bunch of of encampments but then led to this summer when they passed the actual encampment ban which we've talked about at length didn't really change the fact that you weren't allowed to you were already not allowed to camp on the streets but it did make it so they could put up signs saying that you couldn't camp in those areas and it has cleaned up some parts or their efforts have cleaned up some parts of the city that they filled a lot of the safe encampments that they created in Balboa Park and others. But there's still obviously a lot of people suffering on the streets. And so that'll be really interesting to see how he updates that um, and what kind of uh, things he says. Does he add the same urgency? You know, it makes me think that the saying that, hey, I, I was able to put these signs up almost shifts the homelessness crisis onto the people who are homeless even more. Right. Because now you can say they're breaking this law. There's evidence. The sign is right there. And it becomes, again, this sort of personal indictment of the people who are homeless. I don't know. This is just a random thought, but but that's something that's interesting to me. I think my prediction is he's going to bring up his discontent with the county delaying the implementation of SB 43. Oh, sure, yeah. huh. I don't know how he'll do it, but I kind of want him to do it yeah he doesn't want to see it he will that's that's a great prediction because he he'll want us he'll he'll want to say we could be doing a lot more we could be moving a lot more people into safe spaces or safe recovery centers if the county would took it as seriously so he can kind of set them up as the villain um not addressing it as alongside because last year he highlighted the work of nathan fletcher at Mm -hmm. the county for helping Mm -hmm. speed through the county care courts, the ability to sort of compel people into care who were uh, dealing with mental health issues. Now the SB 43 adds behavioral health and drug issues to the 
the things that they can compel people into care for. But the hospitals, of course, freaked out about uh, what that might do to their um, capacity if, if a bunch of cops started bringing people in for treatment of drug issues because of that law. And so the county delayed that. And I think you're right. I think that's a great prediction. He's going to really highlight the county as not a partner, but a, a obstacle in, in getting some uh, things done. And that'll be interesting. I mean, I wonder if we'll see that same energy. So do you remember when they the city council had the encampment ban um, vote and he got up there and after different city council members were sort of implying that they were going to vote against it yeah. um, or not implying, but, you know, being very clear that they did didn't like elements of it. Um, he went up there and he, you know, said his piece and he pointed them out one by one. And it was this very, I don't know, just like interesting to observe moment of him kind of like, we need to do something and you need to get it together and like get in line and yeah. get this done. And I wonder if he'll bring that same energy to yeah. the county kind of like- Or like actually call people out that he feels yeah. like aren't standing in the way or are standing in the way of, of making something happen yeah, like that. I want to see some spice. I yeah. think what they would say on the other side is like, we would have been all for more safe spots, more shelter, more services. This didn't actually change any uh, prohibition. We still didn't allow them on the streets, but this just yeah. this just added some sort of symbolic thing we didn't feel was necessary and was overly punitive. But he can say, look, we needed to do everything we could to communicate mm -hmm. to, this was the other part, to communicate to people who don't have shelter that they are not welcome in San Diego. That was clearly the message of 2023 mm. was from the mayor wanting to get across to everybody out there that you don't come here if you're homeless. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it worked or not, but um, that was clearly something he was focused on. Mm. Uh, the other part, of course, of the homeless issue is the question of, of homes themselves. He had talked last year, you might remember, about the 5,000 units of homes that he and his office had permitted that year. We looked that up later. Our Andrew Keats looked it up later and realized that was actually a pretty mediocre number uh, over the years. However, he will probably bring up again uh, his push to get things permitted faster, especially affordable units. He had this to say uh, about his pledge to deal with um, and permit affordable units much more quickly. Just before coming on stage, I signed an executive order directing all relevant city departments to complete their review and approve 100% affordable housing projects within 30 days. This is a crisis and we're going to act like it. What typically takes up to six months, I'm ordering to be done in just one. I called the mayor's office to ask for an update on this. They said, well, we don't want to steal too much thunder from the mayor's speech, but we <laughs> will say that 800 units, uh, remember, these are for projects that are 100% affordable, so they are 100% restricted to lower-income families, uh, that if you have a project where all the units are, are restricted for lower incomes, uh, you can enter this 30-day program and that they did permit 800 units through that 30-day uh, program. So I called a developer who works on some of this stuff and asked for you know, some perspective. Does Has he seen it got easier? And he says, like, it's clear the message has been received in the world that if you have 100% affordable, it goes faster. 
but there's just a lot of people who are upset now about the resources that that might be pulling away from getting their permits mm. approved for mm. other multi-unit things. consequences. Yeah, because there's a lot of a lot of the affordable housing stock being built is is accompanying or tied to uh, actual market rate units being built, and so you know are those now being delayed or whatever. That's what the that question. I think if you're going to evaluate this pledge, you would really need to check that out. Now the mayor's office did say they hired quote dozens of people to part, uh, work through these permits at the Department of Development Services. And uh, we'll see uh, if it has any impact on rents, but not yet. All right, I have one last prediction. I think he'll have something, and I don't have any reason to believe this. Nobody <laughs> I think he'll have something to announce about a big project. Like he'll he'll say like, I got a guy interested in the new city hall or I heard, you know, something they're going to build a big obelisk at the sports arena. Oh man. Sports arena could really use an obelisk. Yeah. I think something like that is coming. Like there's going to be a, a reveal mm. of uh, a part of one of these major problems, seaport village mm. or the Navwar project in, in the old town area or the civic center, something about those or he's gonna have oh here's another good one <laughs> he's gonna have the like one of the sick one guys come up with uh with the san diego soccer club mm. uh ah. scarf or something uh, some something like that's gonna happen there's gonna be a little twist everybody be like "Ooh, yeah. that's clever okay mm. there's gonna be a, a nice reveal huh yeah that's always fun for a state of the city yeah or, or look, we think that the convention center thing's going to happen mm-hmm. for now. We're ready to do it, that this is the year. Now, I have been to literally 15 state of the city addresses where they've talked about this being the year that the convention center expansion was going to happen. So maybe this really is the one, though. It's going to blow. It's going to blow. <laughs> it's got to blow. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Join culture creator Remel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Are you looking to engage with regional decision makers, business leaders, elected officials, and industry professionals committed to improving downtown San Diego? Join the Downtown San Diego Partnership. 
As a member, you'll receive access to exclusive resources, exposure to special programming, networking functions, and additional opportunities unmatched by any other local membership-based organization. Join the driving forces behind the future of downtown San Diego. For a 10% discount, become a member today. I think one of the most surprising things about the pandemic when we look back at it was how the economy shut down and yet there was just this like flood of money that came to local governments, to school districts, even to nonprofits like ours or through or through the the loans that were uh, spread to help businesses survive. There was just this like weird um, ceasing of the economy and then just flood of money that came in and just all of the adjustments since then, of course, the inflation and all kinds of things that have happened. But one of the key issues was that a lot of the governments, the state governments, the city governments, and in particular school districts had a lot of money. And, um, and you know, the purpose of it was to make sure that the the incredible disruption that students had experienced could be made up for, right? They, they could uh, ameliorate what happened and deal with the damage to student progress and more classes, more time, summer school. My, my son has actually enjoyed and, and benefited from some of the summer programs, the Level Up programs that San Diego Unified put together. But uh, there wasn't enough progress considering how much things set back, and now the money's drying up. Yes. So uh, there are two important things, right? You're right. Money flooded in, especially to schools. I mean, over, I think, three, four years, San Diego Unified got half a billion dollars in, in federal and state kind of uh, pandemic funding, which is, which is no, it's not chump change. I mean, that is a lot of money. Um, but all that being said, school districts, even after all of that investment, all of that injection of cash are, are not where they should be. You know, they still are lagging behind where they were uh, before the pandemic. And that, and that's very worrying. As far as progress. As far as progress on, on a number of things. I mean, whether it's test scores, whether it's, uh, you know, enrollment, all of these things are down. Chronic absenteeism in particular, all of these things are still still either, you know, much higher or much lower than they were before the pandemic, whichever is the more worrying side of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> What's in, in general, where did the money go? It went uh, often to to em- em- employees, often to salaries. I mean, uh, Sandy, uh, the Union Tribune did a, a good uh, piece about a year ago um, that looked into this, and a vast majority of that money went went to paying employees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's probably time for us to do a, a deep dive and take some stock of where some of that went. But um, at this point, it, you know, th- those funds expire this year. Um, so this is the last year that school districts can use them. And San Diego Unified... Uh, is going to be in some big trouble next year because they now have a, a budget deficit, a, a very significant budget deficit opening up next year once all of these funds expire. Yeah, so the state this year is projecting a $68 billion budget deficit. Uh, the legislative analyst office forecasted a nearly $19 billion funding deficit over three years for schools and community colleges. Yeah. Uh, San Diego Unified Trustee Cody Pedersen said, quote, this is a roadmap for sweating. We're going to have to sweat a bit. Now, I think what the, the core is, is like you said, they gave a lot of raises. Obviously, everybody, teachers included, are dealing mm-hmm. with inflation. 
they gave a lot of these raises, but the raises will continue and those costs will continue even though the funding that sort of made them possible is yeah. going to dry up. And so we see this every these, these school districts are built to spend more than they than they take in. They just mm-hmm. con- that's just how they grow and the pressures and politics of the employee units, but also just their promises and services they want to offer, like it's going to grow past what it can. The question is what actual pain do they have to do to get it back on track and or sort of meet out what kind of pain do they have to meet out to make it possible? And and that's what we don't know because they always threaten or sometimes even like send out pink slips to teachers. Yeah. But then do they actually cut? Did you get a sense of whether they will actually have to lower the employee count uh, at some of these places? You know, uh, the officials that I've spoken to, some of them are very confident that that San Diego Unified can get through this without large scale cuts to employees, which is a bit confusing for me. I mean, they have one hundred and thirty million dollars to shave off next year and a projected one hundred and eighty two million to shave off the year after that. That coupled with the fact that enrollment is dropping, it would make sense that that less teachers would be at the school. Right. Uh, They have said that. Um, they over the years have gotten very good at, at cutting programs and cutting staff that they, they feel students really won't have, you know, w- won't really impact the, the experience of students, whether that's central office staff, things like that. Um, but it's hard to imagine that they get out of this, this funding hole, especially when so much of, of, uh, the district's budget does go to staff pay. You did something, um, maybe about six months ago about, analyzing just this trend of enrollment compared to uh, school employee counts, right? Mm-hmm. Like just had had the districts grown proportionally or shrunken propor- proportionally compared to their enrollment. Uh, what was the main takeaways from that? Yeah. So, you know, the, the big takeaways from that was that it, increased school funding didn't seem to directly translate to more staff, which is a surprising thing for people to, to hear, right? Uh, and, and I think that the inverse probably is not true, um, that, that less money uh, probably will translate to less staff, right? Mm-hmm. What, and the enrollment trends, you've talked about that at, at length. Obviously, before the pandemic and after the pandemic are completely different worlds with yeah, enrollment. Absolutely. but. The long-term trend has been lower enrollment at a place like San Diego Unified. Has uh, has the enrollment tracked the same size of the district? You know, you 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 put that well, which is that the story before the pandemic and after the pandemic is largely the same, which is that public school enrollments are declining. Uh, what happened over the pandemic was that decline kind of was put on steroids, right? There was a huge increase in the amount of kids um, that that just kind of disappeared from public schools, whether they went to a private school, whether they went to a charter, whether their families moved away to find someplace more affordable. Um, and, and that spells more worry, more uh, trouble for for the district, right? Uh, the way that schools get funded is a is a combination of both enrollment and average daily attendance. So the less kids are, the fewer kids that are enrolled in a district, the less money a, a district's going to get. And in addition to that, the fewer days kids go to school, the less money a district gets. Which means that the fact that chronic absenteeism has has just absolutely skyrocketed will have a financial effect on districts that is very tangible. Well, it's the same pressures that uh, a lot of the cities are feeling as well with yeah. the state funding going down and the uh, sales tax and income tax revenue and other things going down. So we will see how they all handle it and maybe get a taste of how the mayor's going to handle it as state of the city. Thanks. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded across the street from Simone Little Italy, the premier tower in greater, greater Little Italy in San Diego. If you have a question or a comment for our podcast crew, you can send an email or voice message to our producer, Nate John. That's Nate at VOSD.org. Nate at VOSD.org. Your question could be featured in a future episode. Sign up for our newsletters at VOSD.org slash newsletters. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego. Andrea Lopez Villafani is our Managing Editor. Jacob McQuinney is our Education Reporter. Nate John is our producer. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.